0: Have you ever experienced randomly feeling ill at 3 a.m.? Hassle, right? But now you don't have to aimlessly search the internet because we have Consulta MD. Consulta MD is a telemedicine app that allows you to have 24/7 unlimited access to licensed doctors, no appointment needed. You can consult a doctor via video or voice call anytime and as often as you want. And in fact, uh, when Micah Sambahi uh, had some feverish symptoms a few weeks ago, we actually used Consulta MD and super helpful niya. It really eased our mind during that very stressful time. And alam naman natin sa panahon ngayon, yung health natin should be our number one priority. So thank you so much to Consulta MD for sponsoring today's episode. Download the Consulta MD app now on Google Play or on the App Store, and make sure to. Check Facebook.com slash Stancy Online or at underscore Stancy on Twitter or Instagram to find out how you can win free Consulta MD vouchers.
1: Hello. Hello. <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network asia
0: This episode of On Deck with Stancy is brought to you by Podmetrics. Whether you're a rookie at podcasting, or a veteran, or a super expert, or somebody who's just doing it for fun since we have a little bit more extra time now that we're all stuck at home, you can actually use Podmetrics to know so much more about your show and who you're able to reach. You can get information like who's listening, where they are, what their profiles are like, even their listening habits, Podmetrics can take care of all of that and more so you can focus on creating better content. You can even integrate Podmetrics with Facebook and YouTube so you can get more data from your live streams. So if you're a podcaster or you want to start your own podcast, go check out podmetrics.co. Once again, that is podmetrics.co and sign up for free. So whether you've got hundreds of episodes under your belt or you're trying to figure out how to get from episode one On Deck with Stan C. On this show, I want to tell the real stories behind the real people behind the mic. And let me just start by saying that I'm so grateful to everybody who's been supporting the podcast since day one sometime last year, all the way through season two. And now, to the third season. Now, uh, the break between seasons two and three was longer than I'd expected, longer than I'd hoped it to be. But I hope you can understand. that I had to do it for for personal reasons, for mental health reasons. You know, I've said this on the podcast before that I really want to prioritize my mental health in the same way, and I encourage everybody to really take it seriously. Um, I, I went through a bit of a rough patch sometime in May uh, and through a few weeks in June, and I just wanted to make sure that I got my mind right. I had everything set, and since this podcast na to is really a personal project of mine, it's a passion project. I really couldn't do it without being a hundred percent present, being a hundred percent mindful of what I wanted to do. Plus, you know, I, I have to be honest. I had have partners dito to really push me or drag me out of whatever funk I was in. Unlike with the other podcasts that I produce, manage, and host right now, so you know, it took a while, and I'm just glad that. I'm back where I belong. I'm back in the mindset of just creating this content and telling these stories and hopefully humanizing the faces and the voices that you've seen or heard on the radio, on TV, on other media for, you know, however many episodes this season lasts. And yes, you heard that right. It's not really a radio-centric podcast anymore. For Season 3, the plan is to just have these long, unfiltered, and uncensored conversations that you can't have on the radio. So, I'll still be talking to a lot of radio personalities, but we're going to be expanding things a bit. And on deck for Season 3, we'll be taking on a... I would say a more expanded view just so we can talk to more personalities and have more content that I can serve to you guys through the help of our friends over at Podcast Network Asia. So big shout out to the team over at PNA for letting me do what I do best here on deck, which is to tell the real stories behind the real people behind the mic. Speaking of stories, let's get to this one. Man, really happy, really excited. Man. What a get for Season 3, right for the opener. We're going to go big and we're going to start with the one and only Mo Twister. Now, there was a time when I envisioned myself as the next Moe Twister. And there was also a time when I wanted nothing to do with Mo. So let me tell you the story about that one in case you haven't heard it on a previous episode of the podcast. So back in 2012, I was working at a day job in Makati. And I was on my way to work and I was thinking to myself, hmm, how cool would it be to get a shout-out on Magic as if I were one of the many celebrities that they would be greeting on the air? sobrang sato right as I had that thought. While I was driving through Makati, I heard Mo Twister and Susie and the Showbiz Bro, aka Makoy Pare of Machong Chismisan, talking so much shit about me on the air over a tweet that I had sent up the previous day. So it turns out na. They, uh, it was a slow day for the guys of Good Times, and they were looking for somebody to pick on over a stupid tweet that they had sent out, and Showbiz Bro found my Twitter because I was ranting about something that another coworker over at my old radio station had said about me. So I said something really dumb, really insensitive that 22-year-old me should not have tweeted out, and they just ripped me a new one on air. And after that, sobrang nanliit ako and I was like, fuck, I never want to have anything to do with Moe Twister at all ever again. Fast forward to sometime in 2018, we got to work together when I was a recurring guest host on D-Day with Mo and Nico on Fox Sports. And that's when I really got to meet Mo and, you know, I I had the chance to work with him as a TV personality, as a host. And I learned a lot just from working with him, even though we were never in the same spot at the same time physically. Just having these on-air NBA debates with him, uh, you know, live over Zoom or Skype or whatever we were using at the time. It was really helpful, and and he really put me over big time, which we'll get into in this episode. So, I'm excited for you to get to hear this really unfiltered conversation with Mo Twister. Oh, and spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Viva Hot Babes Gone Wild. There, I said it. Also want to let you know that we are just weeks away from the end of voter registration here in the Philippines. So please, it's not yet too late. Get your ducks in a row. Get those forms ready please register to vote kasi napaka-importante ng elections natin come 2022. And the first step to do that is to go book an appointment over at airehistro.comelec.gov.ph or go check out votepilipinas.com. They've simplified the entire process so everything you need, you can check it out over at votepilipinas.com or you can start at irahistro.comelect.gov.ph. And now it's time for the main event kicking off season 3 My conversation with Mo Twister Kicking off season 3 of On Deck With a man who has been very influential To my own radio career And someone who also openly bashed you on the air Many, many years ago oh. <laughs> I love telling this story Because now we've built a bit of a working relationship I just love ribbing him Every time this comes up Please welcome the great Mo Twister
1: Hey Stan, thanks for being here man It's nice to talk to you again I mean, yes I would say, I mean, I think it's more than professional. I know you and I don't hang out. We're not like texting each other all the time or anything like that. But I'm always watching or not watching, reading your takes on WWE and whatever it is on Twitter. So it's nice to be on your show here. And it sounds like I'm a season premiere guest for three. Is that season three? Is that right?
0: Yeah, season three. Yeah. I have to kick it off with the big guns. Bring out the big guns. So I
1: also feel bad. I wasn't on season one, man. What the hell? Did you run out of guests?
0: (laughs) I mean, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know if I had the balls to like hit you up and be like, Hey, Mo, I know we haven't spoken in a few years, but would you want to do the podcast, blah, blah, blah. So, you know,
1: I'll tell you this. And I say this on every single podcast I'm on. So if you've heard me on any other podcast outside of myself, you would have heard this. So forgive me for the repetitiveness, but I guess on every invite and the person with one listener to, you know, among the bigger podcasts out there, I'll take everything. I love this medium. I've been involved in this medium for 10 years now it's a bit of a passion for me. So if you've got an online show, if you're listening out there and you have a podcast, it could be your very first dive in broadcasting. Please don't be intimidated to send me a message. I will honestly, honestly be there. Now it's easier back in the day. I think I had more time, maybe a couple this past, maybe year and a half than I have this like past few months, but I will find a way to squeeze it in. I always do. So please don't be intimidated. You can invite me any single time. And trust me, I love this stuff. So I'll be there.
0: I said in the intro that, you know, you openly bashed me on the air. I've told the story on a different episode of the podcast. It still cracks me up. But I want to tell a different story about, about you and me from when I worked with you on D-Day, on Fox Sports three years ago. Yeah, and yeah, with Nico. I remember uh, we were doing a pre-production meeting and at the time I was filling in for Jules Savard and you went out of your way to say, hey, let's get Stan's takes on these things. Let's not just have him set the table and moderate. Let's let him throw his opinions out there, which was something that uh, Jules didn't really get to do when she was playing moderator for the show. I want to say on the record that I really appreciated you just you know, throwing me out there and letting me have that voice, even for that one episode. That really meant so much to me, especially coming from you.
1: Well, thanks, I guess, but uh, thanks as well for just kind of giving us your time and you know taking the opportunity to hang with us. I mean, I don't know. I feel weird hearing that line because, I don't know, I just thought that it was the right thing to do. (laughs) You know, I mean, you have somebody there. Why would you want to alienate them by having them just kind of hang out and not really do too much? So, no, absolutely. I mean, I think you're a smart guy and I definitely think you're entertaining and you're a really good broadcaster. Why not? get your take on anything. I don't care what it's about, right? Shit, you might know more than I in the topic. I'm sure you know more than I in a million other topics, but what we were discussing, you might have a take that I super, super would love. So definitely would love to hear
0: from you. Yeah, it's just not every day that somebody sticks up for someone else, especially now you're not on the same level. Like I look at you as a main eventer. I look at myself, especially in radio, for example. Now I'm probably a jobber compared to you like being a main eventer and all that. So, you know, it just really meant a lot to me especially how big of an influence you played in my own career. I never heard
1: somebody call me a main eventer. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I think that might be like a stand-up comedy reference or a boxing, wrestling, UFC type of reference. And if that's the case, For sure, that's yeah. the case I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you very much. But Stan, come on. like I get weirded out by compliments. I am grateful that you feel that way about me. But dude, you are right there among the good ones out there. So don't sell yourself short, brother. I really, really do think highly of you.
0: Thank you. I'm gonna stop us from kissing each other's asses for for like the entire podcast. A lot of people, when they hear the name Mo Twister, they associate you with the provocative questions, with the raunchy topics, and all that. But strangely, for me, I actually don't think of those things. Like I think about the more the more relatable conversations. Like the one Mo Twister story I have from my time listening to you is you getting Pau gasol to sign your arm. And then you immediately running and get that tattooed. Yeah, you're showing that right now. It's those things that make me identify with you. Like, even though you're Mo Twister, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally a fanboy of Kevin Garnett. If I ran into Kevin Garnett, I'd probably do the exact
1: same thing. But I hope I'm not the Kevin Garnett of radio in a sense that, you know, like half the world dislikes me and half thinks I'm this and other half likes me. No, but I think I might be. I'm glad that when you think of me, you don't think of me in the controversial, the negative, which I think a lot of people do. And when I say a lot of people... It's just a listenership, right? It's either I think you like me or you really, really dislike me. But broadcasters, radio people, I think it's different. I would say, I don't want to say the majority would like me because it sounds so douchey and yabung, but I don't have that image with broadcasters. I have that image with listeners. And these are people who may not kind of know the history of broadcasting or may not really care about the industry too much. So it's really easy to dislike me. But (laughs) if you've been in this business, especially as podcasting being so big right now, I think people look at me a little bit more fondly because we're in this together and maybe they recognize I've been doing it for 26 years if it's radio and 10 years if it's podcasting that maybe I'm a little bit of a tito. So you're kind of a little bit more fond of it in that sense. Hey, real quick about the Pau Gasol story. I'm not sure if you know the entire story. So I asked LeBron first and I was standing right next to LeBron and LeBron said, you're going to regret this. And I said, I don't know if I will. He's like, you will, because it's on a place that you can't cover. We had this conversation about getting a LeBron tattoo on my arm and I'm not a LeBron fan. It's just, he was the guy. And of course he's the biggest star in the league or one of the biggest stars in the league. And I'm standing right next to him and we're just kind of sitting and He's like, who's your favorite player? I said, Pau. He goes, go ask Pau. <laughs> and I said, okay. So I went and I asked Pau. And Pau said yes. So I have the Gasol tattoo, not because I went to Pau first. I went to LeBron first. And it was LeBron who said, don't do it because... You know you're gonna regret it. And then he asked me who my favorite player was, and I said pow I said do right over there. Just, just try to get through the line and then go talk to Pal. And I talked to Pal, and Pal did it. So that, that's kind of maybe a, 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 I don't know if you know that part of the story. No,
0: no, no. Hindi ko alam yung part nyan. But do you regret it?
1: I regret every single tattoo I have, and I have quite a few. I've got my baseball team tattoos. I've got a Philippine flag, which I even regret, oddly enough. If anything, it's the Pal Gasol tattoo that I most like. That's because he really is dear to my heart. I love Gasol, and I think people who don't have, who've given him enough credit, not just a basketball player, but as a person. And the reason why he's my favorite player is not because he's a good basketball player. He's my favorite player because he's a really good guy. And we've seen that more now than ever since Kobe has passed away, how involved he is with the Bryant family, with his daughters, naming his own daughter, I believe, after Gigi, if I'm not mistaken. So you can just see what a great human being he is. When the Philippines gets hammered by typhoons, he's always sending his wishes and and his charity is very involved. And he spends the offseason in rougher countries doing really good things. He's a very, very good human being. So if there's any tattoo that I love the most, it's the Powell tattoo. Having said that, I wish I didn't have any tattoos. I think everybody's going to regret it. Stop getting tattoos, people. You're going to regret it. I promise you this.
0: Well, so far, do you not regret yung akin. <laughs>
1: yeah. One day. How old are you? 31. You're 10 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> God damn it. Let's talk about talk radio because that's really where you made your name, where you've made an impact. And I want to start at probably at the beginning of talk radio in the Philippines because a lot of people would associate you with being a pioneer in this format. So when you were starting out, just playing around with this format, How did you know that this was something that would take off here?
1: You know, with FM radio historically has been a you ad lib for 30 seconds, the most, and then you play songs, right? That's what it is. Countdowns, music, and rightfully so, because pre-internet, this is where people got their music, and music's a really big part of people's lives. In fact, it was so lucrative back then because we get all of this spyola under the table money from recording companies. They would give us freaking thousands and thousands and thousands just to play people's songs. It was power, right? And when the internet started to really kick in, I kind of identified that, you know what, we're not going to have this power anymore. It's not going to be a music driven medium. It's going to be who are the hosts and how interesting can they be. So I gave the idea to Magic that I wanted to do a talk show. Of course, they said no. They said absolutely not. FM radio is not for talking. And I said, listen, let me try it. Now, I'm good with the boss. We grew up together in this business. I've known him since as a college student. I know the owner of our station as a college student. I've been around a really long time. So I think I can get their vote of confidence to try it. And that's what I did. I tried it. I will be the only talk radio show on FM at the time. And we really did a good job. I mean, it really took off. Even tandems, you didn't see a lot of tandems. You just saw kind of like solo DJs most of the time. And then, you know, we, we did this talk radio thing and it was predominantly talk and we didn't play any music and it was crazy. Like they hated it in the first week. And then all of a sudden, you know, we started making the news. The showbiz circle started taking notice, started getting in trouble for it. And with notoriety comes, you know, popularity. And then from there on it, it kind of took off. I don't want to say I'm a pioneer of the format of talk radio because it's been around forever globally would we be a first in the country to do it, FM-wise? Maybe. I don't like taking credit of being the first podcaster either, but I mean, maybe that's true. Who knows? But I'm pretty proud of how we were able to take our show, grow it as a talk radio show in a time where it was kind of foreign of an idea. X amount of years later, I think the majority of FM radio shows are a bit talky, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing.
0: Yeah, you, know, you mentioned the notoriety, the controversy, and a lot of that stems from... You developing this persona as the Howard Stern of the Philippines. Do you get tired of that comparison? Because, like, to me, as someone who's also followed Howard Stern, parang nag mellow out over the years. Like, he doesn't really do the penthouse pet things anymore, No, none of the Sibian shit anymore. And you don't really do forbidden questions anymore either. I would, though.
1: I would do forbidden questions every week if I could, but no celebrity wants to do it anymore, too, because they gain nothing from it except awa, papagalita tila, ng managing it, and all that stuff. So, forbidden questions isn't like, hey, I think I need to mellow down. It's, No celebrity wants to do it. Their managers just completely don't allow them to do it and all of that. But having said that, I never really enjoyed the comparison because I never listened to Howard Stern. So I don't really know what people are talking about. I only recently started listening to him more when satellite radio became a thing and I moved to the U.S. But I wasn't really exposed to him because he's a New York radio DJ, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have his material with me. I get that the comparisons come from notoriety, but the content Isn't the same. Like, I never brought a motorized vibrator into the booth so a girl can sit on it, right? That's just way out there for us. In fact, maybe if there's a comparison to the old Stern stuff, maybe it's Boys Night Out, who are far more sexual and far more kind of raunchy and all of that stuff. Ours is really, we do political commentary, we do showbiz, we do like sports, we do all of it. But I think where we really got popular is when we started bad-mouthing celebrities. So it's not really too much sexual stuff, but more like just bad-mouthing celebrities. And I think that's where we got, or I got the label of Howard Stern. But I don't see the similarities too much. But I also don't tell people to stop it because I understand Filipinas, it's, that's how we do it. Oh, you're the blank of the blank. You're the blank of the blank. We always have rivalries. Oh, Nora versus, I don't know, Vilma, Sharon versus this. Like It's so ingrained in our culture to have a comparison or to have a rival. So I don't really fight it because well, that's Philippines. Right? That's who we are. You're we're, we're the blank of the blank. And that's just common. So I don't really foresee the similarities too much with Howard Stern except it may be notoriety.
0: One of our listeners on the podcast, George, he tweeted a question that he wanted me to ask you. And it's kind of wrestling related where in wrestling there are storylines like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage were probably actually friends behind the scenes when they were feuding in the ring. So in the same light, was there anybody that you bashed on the air or a celebrity you got into an on-air beef with that na- in reality, you were like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. and ah, ratings. Lang to, ah.
1: Absolutely not. Every single celebrity who hated me for the show hated me. And on several occasions, we nearly got violent. I remember Richard Gutierrez once saw me at Greenbelt at a restaurant. I think we were in like SEMA or so- something like, you know, like a Greek restaurant SEMA. And... He was with Georgina Wilson, who was his girlfriend at the time, Raymond who who's his brother. He was with Pablo Pariso. He was with Bubbles I even mean, He was with his celebrity crew, right? And I was having dinner there and he saw me and he got up and he did this, you know, this Richard Guchetes thing where his lip just, <laughs> you know, and he's all his acting. Yeah. A fucking bottom lip <laughs> of his, right? And he wanted to fight and I didn't understand because I knew him. Like, we've, I've known him since he was a little boy. Like, I've been to his house on Christmas Day. You know, but I'm. We were like that. And he was mad. He was mad because somebody on my show called his brother gay and it didn't come from my mouth, but it was on my show. And he wanted to fight right then and there. And I remember the restaurant, like you just heard all of these forks hitting the, the plating. You know, it was like, like a movie ding, 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 because everybody stopped to watch this, you know, imminent fight. That's what it was like a lot. You know, whether it was inside a TV studio, like when we were in the TV studio, I would have to be separated from certain celebrities, even though on camera we were supposed to be friends. Off camera, they wanted to fucking kill me. So, for I hosted a entertainment talk show, Showbiz Central, I did... Couple other like entertainment TV shows for TV five for GMA seven for Channel two like through the yeah. years, and when a actor had to promote his movie or his TV show as they do, they'll they'll sing, then they'll get on stage and you talk about it. It's on stage where we're faking it. The moment we're off stage, they have to separate us because the fucker wanted to kill me for some of the stuff on the radio. Funny you bring that up, but in reality, it was like worse for the flip side (laughs) shit has anyone actually followed
0: through like because of you know shit you've said no
1: i've never i've never had and and i think because they understand that it's not worth the and that's what i told richard when richard was like he was like fucking hyperventilating i said richard look around man look everybody's watching us i'm just trying to talk him out of like first of all i didn't call your brother that number one number two look at everybody like we're gonna make a fool out of ourselves here and when it came to like the tv studios and stuff it was what are we putting at stake here for something that we were just laughing about and joking about? But I understand. Benoits are really sensitive. We're really, really sensitive. And especially if you're not used to somebody publicly kind of calling you out for something, you're going to get really offensive. You're going to get really yeah. violent. It's just part of who we are. And they're not used to it. I understand it came with the territory as if ever, you know, did it ever materialize into Talaga and Talaga? No, it didn't. But it was fucking close, man. So many times it was pretty fucking close. And unfortunately, some of the guests that like, I remember Casey Montero, who's on my show now, JR, who's singer, they were on the show. They said something and they got an office fight in the studio, in the dressing room of GMA7 because of something that was on our show. I remember Borgy Manato getting hit in the face for something he said on the show. So I felt bad that some of my guests were getting violently (laughs) in altercations and I wasn't, but I was close. And that's why it doesn't exist anymore. It just created too much conflict with other celebrities.
0: Let me also take a moment to talk to you about another one of our sponsors here for this episode of the podcast. See, these days, alam naman natin na yung health natin should really be our top priority, and that's why Consulta MD is around. They're a telemedicine app that allows you to have twenty four seven unlimited access to licensed doctors, no appointment needed. Basta meron kang local Philippine number, you can consult a doctor via voice or video call anytime, as often as you want, and for as low as sixty pesos a month, you can enjoy unlimited. Voice consults, one video consult, access to e-prescription, e-laboratory requests, e-medical certificate, general health information, proper medication, and even support for mental health for the whole month. Sobrang sulit, ba? They even have other monthly plans from 99 to 150 pesos, and even annual plans from 499 pesos to 999 pesos. Pwede mo pangang ishare with your partner, your friends, or your family. So what are you waiting for? Download the Consulta MD app now on Google Play or on the App Store. Make sure to check Facebook.com slash Stancy Online or at underscore stancy on Twitter or Instagram to find out how you can win free Consulta MD vouchers. It's funny nah this is where we are now. Now that segment is basically dead because of that,
1: right? Because like it's all because of violence. Solely because of violence.
0: Yeah, Philippines, yeah. man shit
1: yeah real real sensitive and we are and we are till now we can sue you for libel even if you talk shit and it's true <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like how wild is that right right <laughs> like if i said stan you're an asshole and you really are an asshole you can sue me for calling you an asshole but you're a proven asshole like it's just kind of wild but that's culturally who we are no and you know you just take it
0: speaking of culture <laughs> y- you said it yourself we're very sensitive we're also super conservative and backwards ass so One of the other listeners tweeted me. His name is Migs. He asked about Hot Babes Gone Wild. And he wanted to ask how you got that gig. And I was like, dude, I think I can answer that because Mo is basically known for being the raunchy
1: guy on air. So, Yeah, it was called Forbidding Questions. I mean, it was called, right, with with Hot Babes. But yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, basically that was it. Are you going to ask a question or do you want me to tell you about the... uh,
0: Yeah, I I guess I wanted a behind-the-scenes story. Like, what was that like?
1: I thought that that video was going to just be a sit-down interview. Diva comes up to me and says, Hey, can you do forbidding questions? Like a video. Oh, I thought it was gonna be a documentary type. It's gonna be a documentary about the girls, and I'm just gonna ask them some like really kind of crazy like sex questions and whatever. And that's it. That's it. It was just an interview. But then you know, I get on set and we're doing the we're doing the video and I'm talking to them, asking them questions, and all of a sudden I see them fucking take off the clothes and a fucking some guy. And I'm like, This is a porn film. Like not told to me that this is gonna be a porn film. Right, a soft porn film, but nevertheless, they still like porn film. So I thought this was a sit-down interview. It's like thinking you're going to be on, I don't know, give me a really reputable, like, you're going to be on Boy Abunda's like sit-down fucking show and it ends up being like porn. It's like, wait a minute. So I was not particularly thrilled about the entire thing because I shit, my mom's going to watch this. Like, fuck, my family's going to be really bad. Oh, fuck it. I'm here. Was the money worth it? No, I got 50,000 pesos for it. Like, that was fucking nothing for considering like the project. And like, it's a porn film. I thought, I'd get like, these, give me like 500,000 pesos and I'd be happy. I got 50K out of it, right? It's so like those 50Ks where like they pay you 25 and then they'll pay you, like 10 years later, the other 25 too. It's not like they even give you 50 right there on the spot. So I do the video and it comes out and I am not promoting it at all. Like, hey, Mo, but when you can, like, nope. <laughs> I don't <know that's laughs> like the radio. No that- I'm just hoping this just kind of goes under the radar and lost into the universe. And then I think, excuse me for the Yabung, I think it's like a cult classic now. Oh, I'll tell you it is. I don't (laughs) want to say because it comes off as a Yabung, but it's huge, right? And for the first 10 years, I just don't want to talk about it because I was so just kind of embarrassed. And then I think about it it probably is the biggest project I've ever done. And now I'm so cool about it. Like I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist. I just don't. Promote it. but now I went to my doctor here in the states, and like my first check of my doctor, my doctor's like, oh, you know, he's just not smiling. It looks like he doesn't know who the fuck I am, and he's like going through my chest. Mm-hmm. When I walk around, it's that more than anything I've ever done. It's the Viva Hot Babes that people remember. I see memes with me on it. Remember when that fuckhead DJ Luno was really popular a year and year and a half ago? I would see all these memes about like, that's your DJ, but this is our DJ. It's a photo of me doing the fucking Viva Hot Babes thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to embrace it now. I'm going to be proud of it because it is maybe considered a cult classic. To be a part of something kind of historically in the porn hall of fame. Fine. I'm in, man. I'm in. I'm proud of it. (laughs) Go ahead. Watch it. Buy the pirated, buy the original. I don't care. I don't even have a copy. Dude, I have a copy of it. I gotta go to Pornhub to get a copy of me
0: Oy, wala na Nasa Nasa It's
1: not a Pornhub? It can't be I'm gonna look it up right now yeah.
0: It got taken down Why? Because they did a purge on Pornhub A illegal uploads and shit They did a purge sometime last year
1: Thank God because when my son is a teenager like The moment he's, like, if he types in my name on Pornhub Oh my God, if becomes comes out i like, oh shit X video is harder to find
0: <laughs> How do you have that conversation though? Like with your kids? Uh, let's say your son finds it In a few years.
1: I don't know because that's not the only time that I talk about sex. Obviously, I have a podcast every day that I do. You know, people talk about sex all the time on there. So it's not even just that. It's that. It's finding the radio show. It's finding the podcast. The podcast is definitely in circulation right now and sex are there all the time. I don't know how the conversation is going to go. I haven't prepped my mind yet on how I'm going to talk to my kids about it. It is what it is. And I don't know, man. I'll cross that bridge when I get there.
0: It's a very live-in-the-moment mentality, I guess. Live-in-the-moment kind of answer.
1: for that, because I'm uncomfortable about it. and I'd rather just kind of shy away with them knowing about it. But it's inevitability that they will. And I don't know, man. Honestly, I wish I knew the answer on how I'm going to address this. Especially with my daughter when time comes.
0: You mentioned in an interview for ABS sometime last year now who you are at home as the dad is like the complete opposite of who you are on the air and like you go back to the hot babes gone wild video that version of Mo was this snivelly weaselly kind of guy like I would say na, it's not as bad as how Howard Stern would present himself na parang sleazy tito na talagang would tell the girl oh yeah get on that sibian oh yeah uh, are, are are you coming all that shit right like with you it was more of really just being that devil in their ear. Like, that's how it always came across to me whenever I'd watch the video. I guess, as you said, that was like on the extreme end of the stuff you've done.
1: It was. If I knew in advance that that's what it was, I would 100% not have done it. But it is what it is. It's out there. And now, again, like I said, I'm I'm pretty proud of it. It's not who I am in person, I would say. And a lot of the stuff that you hear on air really isn't me. Every celebrity says that, right? Every Every actor, isn't it? Introvert, introvert, they'll say that bullshit. And I honestly, honestly have to tell you guys, if you meet me in person or if you meet me off air, you will see that it is truly, truly a different guy. Now, does that make me a phony or does that make me a poser? or like I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm just gentle in person. On the podcast, on the radio, I'm aggressive. And I think it's because I'm trying to get a good show going While off air, there's no need to have a good show. Like I don't have a lot of friends. I don't desire to have a lot of friends. So there's no need for showmanship. But on the radio, I know a lot of people are listening. On the podcast, I know a lot of people are listening. So you just kind of step up to the plate. If you meet me off air, just so much more gentle uh, off air than I am on air.
0: I mean, it makes sense because I I remember reading in Stone Cold Steve Austin's book that the best personalities are themselves just cranked all the way up to 11. And in many ways, that's basically what you've done throughout your career.
1: Yeah. I don't know how you feel after a show, but after a show, I feel sick. I feel tired. I feel feverish because it is a giving everything you got for those hours. I take it seriously. I take my job seriously. I am obsessed by it. I want to go down as the best to ever do it. And I am so focused on that. Now, there's no award and there's no formal designation. It's just what you know in your heart. You know, and then when I look back at the career now and whenever it, it ends, I honestly believe in my heart, like, man, nobody did what I did. And I believe it. And I don't have to have an award for it. You know, it's just no one worked harder and no one did better and no one was as good as I am. You know, I have that mentality like an athlete has. And I hate saying it because it comes off as so, so uber yabang, yeah, right? But I'm trying to show you like what the inside feels and articulating it on the outside. I would never go around with my chin in the air going, I'm go no, but I'm telling you inside, that's what I want to be true. And that's what I feel to be true. It's
0: very Mamba, Mamba mentality, the way you just put it. It is. And, and
1: you know, I've been doing interviews for 20 years and I say the same thing. I just, I want to be Kobe Bryant inside. I want to be a gentle person outside, but inside, I gotta fucking tell you, man, I am so obsessed with being the best. So obsessed. And I believe it. I believe it to be true, you know, inside for me, you know, but I'm going to, but yeah, it's a very Mamba mentality.
0: Yeah. You've been in the States for over, under a decade at this point, right?
1: It's about seven, eight years, give or take, something like that. Yeah. So it's a tad under a decade, I would say.
0: It amazes me how you pioneered something again. Now you brought the radio show to your office, your own little space at home, like way before the rest of us were forced to move our recording setups, our radio setups at home. How did you even like begin preparing everything, like your workstation and all that? Can you give us like an audio tour or at least for me, like a video tour of what's that like?
1: 2012, nine years. Oh my God, you're right. Almost a decade, nine years ago. 2012 is when I moved here. Okay, so I don't know if you're familiar with Magic 89.9, the radio station. Yes, in. We have, right? As you know, because we're all one family, that we have our 89.9 office, paragon, right? Yeah. About 10 years ago, we decided to have a satellite office in Eastwood. And I don't know if you remember that, but it was this little kind of I do tank looking thing in the fucking middle of it was Eastwood, right? Yeah, in the Eastwood. Yeah. It was Eastwood, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Forgot it's been so long. <laughs> That's because the technology was born to be able to remotely broadcast a legitimate broadcast quality radio show. It used to be, and I don't know how young you are, but you're I know you're pretty young. It used to be like if you want to broadcast on the radio, you have to do it by a cell phone and yeah. stuff like that. And then the equipment existed where you know, DJs in other countries or broadcasting from other places. I was like, dude, let's invest. And we invested in it. It worked. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it abroad. That's what it is. So I didn't pioneer technology. I was just the first to buy it. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like a phone, like a new cell phone. We just, we were the first ones to buy it. And you have to have a management and ownership that is supportive of it. And I asked our station manager, I asked the owner and I said, Hey, what do you think? Let's just try it. And kind of, I guess maybe I've earned the credibility or I've earned, I've invested enough in the bank when I said, Hey, let's try talk radio. And they're like, no, no, no. And I said, Hey, you know that worked before I believe me. I think I can make this work. And I think it has worked to a certain extent. And we've been suspended a couple of times That COVID has fucked up our show this past year and a half. And, you know, we've had co-hosts come and go and, you know, just, continuous revolving door of scandal and, and controversy, even while I've been abroad. But at the same time, I think it's worked well. If it has inspired people to do shows remotely, then great. I'm happy to be a part of that.
0: How do you get to balance everything? Because I know you have a day job over at the airport in aviation. So how does your boss allow you to do radio and TV and the podcast and all that stuff?
1: I just schedule management. I mean, I I go to the airport in the morning. The morning show on Magic and everyone is in the afternoon. And then I do the podcast in the evening. My whole day is packed with talking. (laughs) I just make it work. You know, on my days off, I have no days off. So on my days off, I hammer the podcast hard. And then I do it also on other days that I work. It's not as... I think when people say, oh, you have three jobs, they think, oh my God, you must never sleep. No, I'm fine. It's just a lot of time though is dedicated to the broadcast part of me because it's who I am. And, and you know, I started at 17 years old. I'm 43. So it's all I know as an adult. My whole adult life, I've been here. If I ever stopped, I'd feel like my whole adult life is like, it's gone. Like, it's what I do. It's been what I've been doing for a long time.
0: You sound like you're so passionate about it, passionate about the industry and all that, which is funny because I heard one of your podcasts last year where you said, nah, you know, I don't have that outward passion for radio the way nah, other people like live for it. I'm trying to find it hard to reconcile it.
1: Yeah. So I don't have the radio when I say I don't have that or passion for radio in a sense that how do I explain this? You know, that youthful energy to be a broadcaster like that thing. I don't have that excitement for music. I don't have the here's the best way to put it: it's a responsibility. OK, it's a response. That's what I feel like. It's a responsibility to the listeners. If I don't have that youthful spunk for it and that youthful energy to mix songs and to blah, 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 show, blah, 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 like I, that's not who I am. I feel when I'm absent, the listeners get upset. If I don't do a podcast for three days, I get the messages. So as much as it is fun to be a part of something that's successful, I feel like it's a responsibility. And if I don't do it, I'm letting people down. And that's the driving force behind it more than it just be an enjoyable gig. It's what I know. And I feel responsible to the people who listen to the show. Again, Sounds really yabang. I mean, this is like most my yabang interview you've ever heard, right? Where like, no, no, no. It, it sounds grounded to me, actually. Then I appreciate that. But I know there are people listening to Sean Putang, who does he think he is? But honestly, that's what it feels like to me. And okay. the feedback I get is like, hey, man, you haven't had a podcast in three days. What the fuck, man? Or hey, why did you take the day off? What the fuck are you doing, man? Why'd you get married, man? You know, There's a lot of that. And then I go, okay, you know what? I have to do it because some people maybe rely on it for their entertainment. And if that's the case, fine, I'll do it. The, oh, this is like super, super fun. I got so much energy for it. Like that kind of energy for it. No, my preparation is taxing. I'm exhausted when I do it and I really want to be the best at it, but it's more an obsession to win than an obsession to have fun if we're talking about it in sports. Like, I'm not sure if Kobe Bryant loved playing basketball. I think he loved being great at it and i think that's what it is like i'm not playing this game because it's a fun game i'm playing it because i'm obsessed with being number 1
0: i would say it's more michael jordan than kobe don't you think
1: then fine i'll take that whoever it is whoever that's closest it's that's what it is like i am that's what it is I'm gonna i want to win like talk about this game
0: <laughs> you know while we're talking about podcasting i always point to you when people talk about you know the people who really pioneered podcasting here in the Philippines just because you've been doing it longer than basically everybody else. You've been right. doing it since right. what? The late 2000s, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's been 10 years. It's been 10 yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, 11.
0: Nung time then wala pang nakikinig ng podcasts dito. Nobody was really doing
1: it because people didn't believe in it. And nobody knew what it was. Sometimes, the thing with podcasts, I called it a podcast because that's what the industry was cooking up, right? I mean, when I mean the industry, I'm talking about like globally, right? Yeah. And... I called it a podcast, but it was hard to sell it to advertisers and to listeners because they never heard the word. So I would go online radio show. I would call it online radio show where you can say bad words. I have to like almost describe what it is. Now, everybody knows what a podcast was. But that first year, it was, what's a podcast? Oh, it's a show online. It's just not on the air. And you can say whatever you want because it's like KBP. You have to explain to them that no one's going to get in trouble. That's what it was. In fact because it was so new podcasting that you know these iTunes Spotify rankings and all of that stuff i was the number 7 show in the world ahead of oprah ahead of all of these other kind of powerhouse media personalities for a few months because there was just nobody else out there that's why i have all of these screenshots of rankings and all of that stuff now i'm number 1 against like the big heavy hitters in the world and now of course that's no longer the case because there are just like 5 billion podcasts out there but pioneer for this industry, I think that would be accurate for the Philippines. And it's something I think I, I'm pretty proud of. But at the same time, I'm so happy to see like the thousands of Filipino podcasts out there. It really does warm my heart. I don't find it to be competition. I don't find it to be one of these things. like When you're in the underground and you see all these people starting to make it mainstream, you get a little defensive and you get a little... That's not how I feel about podcasting. I'm so thrilled at how many people have gotten into it. I'm so thrilled. A part of me is through that COVID came and made people stay home and scratched that broadcast itch and started a podcast. Honestly, genuinely fucking mean that. I'm really happy as how how it's turned out.
0: How hard was it and how frustrating was it to meet that backlash from advertisers who didn't believe in the medium, from listeners here in the Philippines, still stuck admittedly in new traditional media?
1: If it's a money-making scheme then or money-making, I guess, a business type, type of thing, then I would say it was hard. But that's not the point of it. I mean, I was making enough money on the radio. I was making enough money on TV to just not have podcasting as an income-generating Endeavor, right? So there's no frustration at that level. But what I really wanted to do was just I wanted to have a show where I could say bad words and ask anything I want and not have to always get suspended or find, you know, all that shit. I did it for that. I wanted to see, I wanted to get involved. I wanted to pioneer. You know, I wanted to be known for it. Again, it goes back to the just legacy and, and GOAT and all that. Like I wanted to do it because I wanted people to remember that I'm among the first and the best. That's it. That was the driving force. Not the money and all of that. Obviously you wanna make money with anything you put your time in. No, nah, I mean right now it's basically a crowdfunded endeavor. <laughs> like people donate and that's just all the money I make out of it. If a sponsor comes around and it has every year, you know, it has, then great. But if it doesn't, who cares? Like, I'll still do it. And I'll still do it every day or as much as I can per week.
0: It's weird. Uh, you know. Podcasting has gotten to this point here in the Philippines. Because when I started my first podcast in 2014, and then nobody was listening. And I was podcasting about such a niche thing, that being pro wrestling. Which I love it. It's also a niche subject. I
1: love it. I love it. I love the niche podcast. Man. I love it. I subscribe to podcasts about my own genes. <laughs> I subscribe to podcasts about watches and basketball cards. I love the niche stuff. And good for you. Good for you that you down that road.
0: Yeah, man. Seven years. Seven years and going with the wrestling podcast. And it led to offshoots like this, which I would say is inspired by people like you. Podcasts like Good Times, where you can just have these unfiltered, uncensored conversations. I noticed from what you said about you not wanting to be gatekeeper-y. There's a maturity. There's a mellowness that comes with it. That... I've also kind of heard from you on the air, Naren. And I'm going to point to an example, that being your interview with Chin Alcantara of MYMP last year.
1: Oh yeah, that fucker.
0: Yeah, because when that shit happened, I was expecting you to rip him a new one. Kind of like you ripped me a new one, but even worse. And everybody was expecting that. And I tune in after my own show. And that was not what we got. Like, if anything, your point of view was way more understanding than I'd ever heard. In other times now, you'd openly rip celebrities a new one on the air. So like, where does that come from?
1: Everybody says, oh, you, since you've been a father, you've been so much calmer. I really don't think that's true. I think Good Times is a podcast with people who call the show and they expose their lives to me, right? And in the early days, I could be so judgmental without hearing the whole story. I think people call the show and they're like, hey, I'm cheating on my husband or my wife. I'm stealing from this. And usually the reaction that I think even Pinoy's in general would be like, oh, am, without giving the person a chance. To know the why they do it. You know, when you watch these Netflix documentaries of serial killers and stuff, when you think of serial killers, you're like, oh, man, the devil in flesh, you know, they're just the worst human beings. And then I come to a point of not just maturity, but I think intelligence or wisdom or whatever, where you're like, what was that guy like as a kid? Oh, he was tortured. He was abused. He was left to rot. He was neglected. Well, fucking that's why he's acting that way. And I sympathize a little bit more with them, even though they're evil. To answer your question about Chin, who clearly is fucking out there right, with his mindset, and he's absolutely wrong, absolutely wrong. I want to know why he thinks that way, though. So I'm going to give him the chance to talk about, like, dude, why? Why do you think that way? I want to try to understand it. That, I think, either has come with age or has come with exposure to so many wild stories on the podcast that... Nothing is ever really black and white anymore, that we live in a world of gray. And if you're cheating on your spouse, it's not just immediately wrong. It's wrong, but give me a reason, man. Tell me why. Why why do you do it? And if I can understand a little bit why you do it, then it's not as bad anymore, in my opinion.
0: I remember when the graphics came out and Magic was promoting the Chin Alcantara guesting. And there was a subset on the internet that was saying... Why is Mo giving this guy a platform? Why is Magic giving this guy a platform? What do you say to that question? You know that his takes are outrageous and are bad and are wrong. So why, why give the guy a platform?
1: It's two things. And these are might even two conflicting things. I might even sound like a hypocrite. number one, I want to understand what the fuck you're talking about. Dude. I want to hear what kind of bullshit you're going to talk about. And number two, if you're still crazy and if you're still like fucking dumb, I want to humiliate you. A lot of the times, it's funny, right? I'm just saying, no, I want to understand the guy. If you're really just, you make no sense to me and you're just an, a bigot and you're just a really bad human being and there's no reason for it, well, then I just want to expose it and I want to exploit it and I want to humiliate you. A lot of the times these interviews come off as very ambushy. I remember we had the guy from PUA. You remember that? You know that fucking PUA Academy? Right? Yeah, I remember that. So that fucker, I don't know, his name is Smooth or some shit. I already know whatever he says is bullshit. You're not getting the chin treatment where I want to understand your mind. I know you're fucking warped. Okay. So I'm inviting the guy. I'm like, hey, bro, just a radio show. Let's talk about your, you know, your business and then your platform and how you want to help men. That's my message to the guy. And I'm getting all of these messages from feminists, especially, like, why do you give this guy a platform? Why do you give? I go, listen, before you judge the interview, listen to the interview tomorrow. And then you'll find out that I'm inviting him to humiliate him only. It's completely ambush. Come on the show. You're not going to get treated well. And I'm going to make sure that you walk out a broken person.
0: Before we get back to this week's interview, let me take another moment to say hi and big thanks to everybody over at Kumu and If for whatever reason You're still living under a rock And you've never heard of Kumu They're a Pinoy live streaming app Where you can connect With Filipino streamers And celebrities I was gonna say Like myself But I'm more of a streamer And not a celebrity But I'm on Kumu So you can connect With me over there Yeah (laughs) So anyway You can use the link In my description To follow some Kumu streamers And yes I am one of them On the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast So follow us over there On Kumu At Wrestling Wrestling Pod very reflective of cancel culture, actually, which we're seeing a lot on social media. If this level of cancel culture and backlash and immediate feedback existed in the late 2000s, for example, when Forbidden Questions was at its peak, all the controversial stuff was happening on your show. I don't know what type of backlash you'd be hit with. Like, obviously, way more than you received back
1: then. I, w- I would have changed the questions, though, Stan. I would have because they're wrong. Some of those questions are wrong. If you take the questions I've asked our guests 15 years ago. And you, you extrapolate those questions that I would have never even asked them because they're foul. You know, they're offensive. But back then, I didn't know that. I know that's not an excuse. That's the explanation, right? That's why I worry. If you take the transcripts of all of these interviews and you put them in 2021, dude, I'm a bad person. Asking a guy to out another guy for being homosexual is wrong. I'll ask that 15 years ago. Oh, which celebrity do you think is gay that's in the closet? That's wrong. Dude. I would never ask that now. There are questions I would still ask that are really raunchy and all of that stuff, but there's some inherently bullying-ish questions to put other people down that I asked way back then that I would never ask now. And that is not a cancel culture fear. That's more of a realization. Oh, yeah, that was wrong. It's probably closer to woke. It's probably closer to understanding a little bit more about what bullying is versus what it was back then where it was fun back. I grew up, I'm a small guy. I'm five five. My real name is Mohan. So growing up, my name was Moron or Mali'it or Pandak. and That's my whole life. I'm not saying that I was bullied because, I mean, by definition, fine, I was. But I never really felt that it was wrong. It felt kind of, that's what you did when you went to an all-boys school. So it was fun. It was frat boy mentality. So when you get on the air and you behave that way, you're like, yeah, fucking, man, what's up? You know, you do that shit. And it takes whether a change in culture or your own maturity to go, oh, fuck, man, I should not have asked that question all those years ago. I'm not scared of cancel culture because I understand it. Like, I understand why people do it. I think it's a little overboard sometimes or many times to overboard. But I totally get why people, somebody, or somebody would find it offensive what we did back then. For example, let's say Boys Night Out it was a very popular radio show on Magic, and I love those guys. And they're really good friends of mine, and, we, and the reason why I'm using them is an example. So we started our shows relatively close in time, right? They've got a segment, for example, called Maniac Monday, right? Yeah. Now, Maniac Monday is huge. And then at some point, I called our bosses several years ago. I go, change the title. I go, I know it's not my show, and it's not my place to, but that's not a good word anymore. It's just not a word you use anymore. We have to retire from that shit, not because we're old, not because we're wise, not because it's wrong. Hey, welcome to Predator Friday, you know, welcome to Rapist Saturday, you know, like you're not supposed to use those words anymore. They're not funny. Anymore. It's fucked up, right? And that's why I fucking hate our president, because he refuses to just grow up. It's fucking he's vile. And you have to be able to identify that. You can still be raunchy, man. It's just. I had a segment on the radio show where I'll give a girl a laptop. If she comes to the show, show her boobs and jump. And whoever has the best bouncing boobs will win the laptop. That's fucking wrong. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's wrong. But at the time it was like, oh, it's fucking fun. Let's do this shit, right? This is fucking fun. And then I wasn't at a place in my mind back then where I said, what if she really needed the laptop for work or for school? And she just felt like, man, this is the only way I can get it. And I exploited that. And I'm ashamed of myself for that, right? Like that was wrong, man. If I see other people do that now, I'll call them out for it. It doesn't make me less fun. It doesn't, it just, you can still kind of be sexy. You can still kind of be raunchy, but you don't do it in the way yeah. Like the way we did it, which was kind of to humiliate people, to hurt people and all that stuff. I'm still okay with humiliating people, Stan, please. Like, don't think I'm like some fucking saint. But if I come across the chins of the world, if I come across the PUAs, if I come across like those, like just people I think were just fucking vile, 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 like the gong is vile. I am in humiliation mode, but I don't want to humiliate innocent people anymore. And I think that's with the changing culture of the world, not just. Filipinos, and it's not just me being 43 and not 19. It really is. Hey, in 2021, that's a bad idea. I don't care how old you are.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, people are capable of change, of growth. And I like to think that, you know, you're definitely one of those people. And, you know, that's what I'm getting. Does it scare you though, or give you anxiety that all that shit's out there? Anyone can transcribe a previous show, previous episode, and all that, and it'll be out there.
1: Sometimes I think people ask me, "Hey, can I get the season 1 of the podcast, season 2 of the podcast?" I'm like, "Oh man, I don't know about that." You know, I will it's not cancel culture. I just don't want to hear my voice say those words. I don't, you get what I mean? Yeah. I'm not afraid of it because you have to be responsible for what you've done in the past. I don't want to hear my voice say f-. You know, like I get, a gay guy called the show I'm like, "What's up?" F-? Who would say that. It's wrong. You know, it's wrong now. But back then I thought it was fucking funny and I just don't want to be reminded of it. I don't promote it. And when people ask for it, I don't really make it accessible, but if it's out there, it's out there. And if you hear it, I will just will say, Hey man, it was wrong back then. And I didn't know it was wrong back then. The canned apology. I didn't know it was wrong back then. I do know now I'm more educated and I'll never do it again. I mean, I mean that, but every celebrity says that these days, that it's lost its potency. It's lost. It's genuine, right. Apology, apologetic feel for it. But you know, it is what it is. I, we shouldn't have done it back then. We really, really shouldn't have done it. And that's just one one of a thousand things we really shouldn't have done back then.
0: Pivoting from that, I want to ask about representation, particularly about your Indian heritage. Like I know you're Indian on your mom's side, right? When you started on the air, did you ever think of playing up that side of you the way Sam does
1: or Sam did? Sam's friggin' like full-on Indian, right? I don't know if he speaks Hindi or anything like that. My Indian heritage, my mom has never been to India. She doesn't speak Hindi. She doesn't know her family too much. You know, she was born during World War II. And at the time, her house was bombed by the Americans. All of her family died. She has nobody. She's basically an orphan. So she never really had the chance to get in touch with her Indian family because they're gone. There's no internet. There's no letters that a little girl can write. I mean, she was a baby. There was just no connection there for those unfortunate reasons. So I can't play up something we have no knowledge about that even my mom has no knowledge of about. I mean, she's Filipina by where she was born and how she grew up, but also by unfortunate circumstances of losing her family. So I can't play that part. I can be proud of being Indian every now and then, but it would be come off as very posery if I tried talking about it because I know nothing of it. Never been there. I don't even know a word of it. But when when Indians do well, I'm happy for them. But I can't share the same as say if Kai Soto made it to the NBA (laughs) when I want to get (laughs) in. (laughs) <laughs> you know, born and raised Filipino. I can't have that kind of sense of pride. I wish though. I wish I did. And it's unfortunate though. I'm sorry to hear about that
0: side of your mom's history. I, I didn't know, but I was always curious. Because for me personally, I always longed for somebody to represent the Chinoy voice on the air. And I never heard that, especially in the personality-based era of radio in the 2000s. So when I came on and I got the mic, I was like, I'll be that guy. And that's what I tried to do. And that's why I always ask yung mga may lahi ng ibang ethnicities, like, did you ever play that up? Did that ever cross your mind? That's why I asked that question.
1: If I knew more about my heritage, I would. And I think also, maybe this comes now, this comes with the age. I want more Filipino on the radio. When we're getting new co hosts to come on the show, it used to be like, are you funny? Are you this? Are you now? I go, how's your Filipino? You speak it at an elite level. And like, how bilingual are you? We went through a time, I think, in the 2000s on radio where You just had to be bogey. You just had to be kind of cute or, you know, someone we can market. If you had this kind of accent, like Amboy or European or something, it was great for the radio. And I I really despised those days. Now it's more than ever. How good are you at it? Are you completely fluent in Filipino? Fucking real Filipino. Not your conversational point shit. I'm talking about legit. And that's what I look for. It's really, really important for me. And if you don't know how to speak it, don't even apply. That's where I'm at when it comes to that. If I were able to get in touch, if I were like you, Chinoy, and I were able to get and talk about it a bit more and be in touch with it more, I would fucking absolutely do it. If I knew more about my Indian heritage, I would absolutely play it up on air. But if I can't, I just don't know enough. But if for everybody else out there listening, or for you yourself, Stan, dude, always, always embrace it. Embrace your ability to know more about the world and about different cultures and all of that stuff. Fuck yeah, man, do it. I would support that massively.
0: As we wind down here, I want to ask about, bring it back to talk radio. Where do you think it belongs in this landscape in 2021 in pandemic era Philippines?
1: Well, we're fucked, right? I mean, radio uh, right now. And television a little bit, but nothing like radio. Radio was freaking hit monster bad, right? I don't know where we're at. I think podcasting really shined. I don't want to say it's the future because I think I'm going to have a hard time answering this question, to be honest. I don't know what the state of radio is going to be. I think it'll be there. I don't think it'll be as influential, but I think it's still necessary. I just think though, the online thing is, that's where it's at. You know? Yeah. I hope they can coexist lucratively because in the end, it's about money when it comes to these companies. We have to make a living. So I hope it can still be lucrative both ways. But I would rather listen to a, wrestling podcast while I'm stuck in traffic, if that's what I'm interested in, then waiting on a bunch of dumbasses on the radio to talk about something interesting. And I think if you're an elite talk show host, elite, 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 highest of levels, then you can survive on radio as a talk show. If you're not, then you're going to lose hard to the niche podcast out there. That's probably the best answer I can give. The best of the best will survive. And no middle ground. If you're not great, you're going to lose to the newbie podcaster who's talking about vintage coins or whatever, the sneakerhead podcast or whatever. And you're going to lose to those guys who have no broadcast background. But guess what? They know their shit when it comes to their shit. And that is infinitely more interesting to the individual.
0: I was going to ask you for a response to the age-old question, uh, is radio dead? But you just hit it right on the head. So that's it.
1: It's not dead unless you're like the best. Yeah. And then if you're not the best, you're in trouble. Now, I don't know where music falls in FM radio anymore because with everybody's Spotify playlist or whatever streaming music service title or whatever... I think the only appeal for radio music wise is the unknown. I don't know what the next song is going to be. And if people find that to be thrilling, then fine. What I think a Spotify playlist, why it beats the radio is because I now know every song I'm going to play. I like, I don't have to sit there through commercials. I don't have to sit there through the great unknown of, oh, fuck, this song sucks. And then I'm stuck. I have a playlist now. I can play it on my car. I can do it. And that's why talk radio can beat music is because what if you just, you're sick of hearing music and you want to hear something stimulating, then great. You're deciding between talk radio and podcast. That's the war. (laughs) A war of two entities that I so dearly involved in. I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out.
0: It's uncharted territory. I want to say it's a brave new world, but with radio being fucked, that doesn't really look good for me. (laughs) It is what it is.
1: it doesn't look good for me either, man. Like I said earlier, I think you're really good at what you do, Stan. Honestly, I really, really do. And I'm not doing that because I'm on your show. When I say the best of the best, I'm including guys like you. I'm talking the upper echelon of broadcasters will survive. But everything else in between, I don't know. And I don't know what to do to fill the air with. I have no idea what to fill the air.
0: I appreciate those compliments. And I just want to give you one last compliment because like I said, you're very instrumental in my journey as a broadcaster. I once aspired to be like the next Mo Twister until I realized that Mo was being Mo. I've got to be Stan C. So that's what I did. Yeah. And then perfect. Perfect. Yeah. We're all trying out here. And I just want to say, I appreciate everything you've done for radio, for podcasting, for people like myself. You are a pioneer, whether or not you admit it.
1: I appreciate that. Thanks. And, and it's very kind of you to say, and I'm comfortable hearing it, but I believe you. Like, I know, I know, thanks, thanks, I know that. Comes <laughs> off as dick, right? Like, I know that I've been here a long time. I know that I've been fine, let's use the word pioneer of whether it be talk radio and podcast. I know it. Thank you. And that was the point, right? That's the goal. But I don't look down on my opponents. You guys are not opponents. You guys are not competition. You're none of those things. And I think maybe that's the difference between Michael Jordan. I'm not trying to kill you, I'm just trying to be the best. And I want you guys to do really, really well either. I uh, as well. But I want you guys to do really, really well. Inla, good for you, man. Congratulations on this show and thanks. Freaking what now? A seven-year-old podcast. That's awesome, man. You. Love it. Love it.
0: Thanks, man. For our listeners who for some reason aren't following you, where can people find you?
1: The podcast is called Good Times and Mo. If you go on Spotify, it'll be under the most current season is year 10. Social media is at DJ Mo Twister for Instagram and Twitter. I'm not really compelling on either of those things. i kind of slowed down on my social media, but please, no, absolutely. Interact with me there. Even though I've got a million, uh, like 1.2 million followers, something like that on Twitter, and like maybe 150,000 followers, I read every single fucking comment, every single message. If I'm not posting, it doesn't mean I'm not reading. And you're going to get a response from me. If you message me, I'm going to message you back. If you ask me for my phone number, I'm going to give you my real phone number. And I only have one phone number. So if you have it, you can message me, and I'm not going to block you. And like I interact with everybody, all of the listeners, because I appreciate all of them. Each and every listener who takes the time to enjoy the output of our effort, whether I'm standing, and I know you feel the same way, every single one of you guys, every, as cheesy as it sounds, it, you guys are really important, and I appreciate every single one. So I do take the time, honestly... I wouldn't say 100% of the messages I will respond to because obviously that's not realistic. I could be driving or something but 99.9% I will respond to you because I appreciate every single one no matter how many of them are. And you seem to be the kind of guy who probably feels the same way. I do, I do. For sure. So if you're listening and you want to send me a message on Instagram, please don't say, wow, I can't believe you responded because everybody says that. I will respond to you. I promise you.
0: (laughs) Well, Mo, I got to say thanks. Thanks for this really insightful conversation. Thank you for responding to my message on Viber. You know, just thanks for everything that you do, man.
1: If you're listening out there, sorry, I, last name. If you're listening out there and I don't care how old you are and I don't care what you do for a living. If you have the itch to talk about something you feel strongly about, or if you've ever had that broadcaster itch, man, go get a podcast. It's easier now than ever. Fucking easy, man. Stand, oh, sorry, I know we're extending. 2014, tell me how hard it was to make an online podcast.
0: Fucking hard. Fucking difficult.
1: Like, t- tell me the story. Real quick. I'm going to interview you. Okay? Give me the equipment. Give me how much money you spent. In 2014, I'll tell you what it was like in 2011 or 2010. Sige. I'll tell you what it was like in 2010 when I started. And I want you to tell me what it was like in 2014. And I compare it to what it is now as we turn the corner of 2021. And just the fucking otherworldly easy it is now to have an online show.
0: In 2014, I swear to you my boss at Mellow, Sir Bobbitt's brother, Allowed me to use your production booth. That I'm in. So the equipment was free, the electricity, internet, all that was free. But we had to pay $18 a month to this server to like upload us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify later on. For five plus years, nagbayad kami ng $18 per month. So expense nyon out of pocket because we didn't make shit from the podcast. And it was hard getting guests because people didn't know what a podcast was. That's how difficult it was for me.
1: While difficult, you were able to use your connections and parlay that into some kind of podcast, even though it was out of pocket. One of my first couple episodes, like you, I used the radio station. But then the airing of my podcast was in the evening. So I eventually had to make my own studio in my apartment in Manila. So I didn't have radio booth equipment. I flew to the Netherlands to pick up a mixer just so I can use it as a broadcast podcast. I went from Manila, flew to fucking Amsterdam, picked up a fucking thing, turned around, flew right back. I mean, like... I grabbed a coffee at Starbucks and turned around and fucking flew back with it. Right, had to build the studio, had to paint it, had to put all this sound equipment. I had to use. I had a three-bedroom apartment. Two bedrooms were technical rooms just for the show. Staff of fifteen college students who were I was writing off their OJT. You know, I didn't want to spend money, so I was using student labor. Right, the server. Well, you're right. Eighteen dollars. I had to pay fifty thousand just because. Sorry, sorry for the amount, but the amount of people were downloading it was. Eating up into the server, what they had a lot for you, right? And it was the technical aspect of having call takers, multiple call takers, multiple phone lines I had to get from PLDT, multiple internet connections because one is for this and one is for that because it was so slow. Cameramen, multiple mixers, just the whole fucking setup was such an expense and so difficult to pull off technically, really, really hard to pull off technically. Now you can do it on your phone at the same quality. At the same quality. You have to fly to the Netherlands. You just your fucking phone can do it. What's my point? Don't be intimidated by the big time setup. Don't be intimidated by the post a photo of my setup on Instagram. And you're like, oh, okay, but it sounds like that because it's so big. No, this is equipment from the Netherlands. Like, I'm just using it still. I can get the same exact quality from a fucking cell phone these days. So please don't be intimidated by it. If you're listening, go put a show out. Send me a message if you want me to be on it. And I promise you, I'll be on your show as well. If that's like, if that's interesting enough for you, it's easy. Do it. And I'd love to see you in the space.
0: Thank you so much to Mo Twister for being my first guest for season three of On Deck. And man, that last bit when he interviewed me didn't see that coming, but I'm not complaining at all because that was great bonus material for sure. For sure. So thanks again, Mo. Now, if you love what you're hearing and if you're loving all these stories on the podcast, you can do me a solid by supporting the show by one, following me on Spotify, two, leaving a comment, Leaving five stars and three, sharing the podcast on social media and letting people know that this podcast exists. You can also help us financially by doing something simple at no additional cost to you, and that's by using my special Shopee affiliate link. So, right before you click checkout, as we get closer to 8 8, which is a few weeks away, all you have to do is to go on your phone, get on that browser, and go to this URL tinyurl.com slash on that's tinyurl.com slash O N D E C K X S H O P E E. It'll take you straight to the app. And then from there, just click checkout and a portion of what you spend will go to Podcast Network Asia and On Deck so we can keep the lights on and do what we do best here on the podcast. So again, my Shopee affiliate link is tinyurl.com slash O N D E C K X S H O P E E. Do it and do it right now. One more plug before I get on out of here. I've got another two podcasts that I've been working on, which I did mention at the top of the show. The first you might be familiar with already, and that is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. You can catch me on that one alongside Ro Moran and Chino Liao every Thursday night at 7 p.m. live on Kumu and on facebook.com slash wrestling wrestling podcast. Or you can subscribe to us on Spotify as well. And the other podcast that I've been working on starting uh, sometime in, I would say, April or May of this year is Now Steaming, a Chinoy podcast. And that's where we serve fresh hot takes from the millennial Chinoy perspective. And I host that alongside my collaborators, the creators of So Asian Comics, Kimberly Mass and Cedric Cheng. You can also follow us on Spotify over there or hit us up on social media at Now Steaming Podcast. So please support all these podcasts because like I said, every follow, every share, every message, every subscription really, really means a lot. And I got to say thank you to you, the listeners, because if it wasn't for you, then there would be no season three of On Deck. So thank you for keeping the show going with all of your support, however you've been supporting the show. Thank you as well to Babyface producers Nikai and Sola behind the scenes for putting these episodes together and to the rest of the Podcast Network Asia team as well. I'll catch you on the next episode of On Deck, where I'll be talking to my good friend, Mix VJ Ai De La Cruz. We go all the way back since college and we're sharing some stories about ourselves that neither of us knew about heading in, but these were stories that did involve us in one way or another. So, sobrang sayan ng usapan namin. And if you encountered us in college, I think this would be extra fun for you to hear as well. So, go check that out on next week's episode of On Deck with Stan C. Until then, please stay safe. Keep wearing your mask. Kasi sobrang importante ng face masks until now. Register to vote and please get vaccinated. For the love of God and for the love of trying to recapture everything that's normal, please. Magpabahuna na putayong lahat. Alright, time to end this episode. Episode 1 of Season 3 is in the book. Stand, see, out, peace.